Hi everybody and welcome to the Junction Church Podcast. We pray that this message inspires and encourages you. If you would like to find out any more information about us, then please visit our website at www.thejunctionchurch.com. Thank you for listening. So good, so good to see you all and just, um, we've got this new series, Oxygen, uh, and this is our new series on prayer, uh, following on the presence of God and, and the life of the Holy Spirit, understanding what it is to pray. And, and in this series, we want to help you unlock a life of prayer, understand how prayer is a dynamic part of your life, how to pray Um, how to have the liberty and freedom in prayer and how to maintain prayer even through difficult periods of your life. Amen. Amen. Um, I remember when I was uh, six or seven, um, we used to live next door uh, to a motel and it was called the Bowship Farm Motel. And it was um, sort of a very old house that had then being converted into a motel. It had quite sort of large extensions out the back and they had an outdoor swimming pool. The owners of the, of the motel um, lived up the lane from mum and dad and they used to let us kids swim for free in the swimming pool. So uh, during the summer, particularly I remember the summer of 1976. How many of you remember that summer? Uh, it was a... <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I remember it so well. Uh, it was... A, I, re- I remember I was uh, 76. I was 10 years of age. Uh, and um, I remember it because it was pure sunshine, uh, literally from the May bank holiday right through to the August uh, bank holiday, it, there, was no, there was no clouds, there was no rain, there was huge drought, but for a kid who gives a rip about drought, we were swimming <laughs> in the swimming pool. And uh, so we had an amazing time. But when I was about six or seven, I was standing by the edge of this pool and um, looking in, I couldn't swim at that point, and I was watching my brothers and their friends, and they're all messing about in the swimming pool, and I'm standing at the deep end just watching them, wishing I could be joining them, when all of a sudden someone rushes up behind me and pushes me in. And there are, there are five distinct memories that I have of that, of that moment. The first one is that the the, the going down in the water of the deep blue, just that sinking down while the bubbles are bubbling up. <laughs> and, and then the turning of my head and looking up to the surface, uh, see the water rippling on the surface uh, and, and this... Um, and just seeing the illumination of the sunshine on it. It's amazing how everything goes in slow motion when you're at that moment of absolute sheer panic. Uh, Then I remember this sort of frantic um, grabbing and kicking of my arms and legs as I'm desperately trying to grab a hold of something solid. Uh, And then I remember so clearly that echoed, muffly voice of, you know how sound comes into water and you hear that echo muffly sound and and I could hear someone say I don't think that kid can swim (laughs) 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 you think (laughs) and and then the the last thing I remember was um, this sort of arm grabbing me out and pulling me up onto the surface uh, and this sort of deep sort of <gasps> grab of air, fresh air. I'd never appreciated breathing before. I, it, was a, it, was a, it was a life lesson right there. Let's take a deep breath. And, and uh, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter, chapter 6 and verse 18, it says, Pray at all times, in the spirit, with every prayer and request. 
Stay alert in this with all perseverance and intercession for all the saints. Pray also for me that the message may be given to me when I open my mouth to make known the boldness of the mystery of the gospel. For this, I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may be bold enough in him to speak as I should. I want you to understand that life without prayer is living without oxygen. Life without prayer is living without oxygen. If, if praying is breathing oxygen, then by rights it should be as natural as breathing. Now, most of us pay no attention to our breathing until we speak about it. And then there's, this, there's always this amazement. I'm breathing. <laughs> this sort of amazement that it's happening and, and you're, you're not in control of it. Your body's got it on automatic control and you, you, you're not really thinking about it. You can override the process, but it's generally foolish to do so. It's generally better to leave it on automatic control. And uh, so this, this, um, this idea, actually they say that we breathe 19,000 times a day on average. Uh, and uh, that's quite a lot. And I, that's, a, that's a lot of breaths. That's a lot of breaths in. That's a lot of breaths out. And, and, and we've got to understand that our prayer life needs to be like our breathing. We need that oxygen. We need to understand our prayer life is an essential part of who we are. We must understand this, that nothing shifts without prayer. Nothing is healed without prayer. Nothing is broken through without prayer. Prayer is the only thing that changes and turns circumstances and situations of our life. I need you to understand even God ordained things which God has ordained. Now let me let me clarify what I mean by that. Now, some people would have maybe grown up with a concept that God has ordained everything that happens in this world. I don't think so. <laughs> Why? Because God is a God of love and rescue. He came to set people free. There's a lot of bad stuff. He didn't ordain it, right? right. The Bible says that it is the will of God that no man should perish. It's his will that no one should perish. But people do. So we know that not everything that God wills happens. And it doesn't because God has ordained man's will to choose. All right? But there are circumstances and events which are far greater than man's choice. And God's making those things happen. The times and seasons we live in are greater than our choice. God's making sure they happen. But I need you to understand, without prayer, even those things we don't participate in. They're going to happen, but if you don't pray, you're not part of it. Are you with me here? Prayer is essential for every concept, every principle of our lives. And this morning, I want to go through how to get that oxygen in our lungs, how to break through in your prayer life, how to make your prayer life work. I've discovered this, that nearly every Christian struggles with their prayer life. This is the the two most common. I need to pray more. I need to read my Bible more. And I've been pastoring, um, as you know, uh, for long enough to know that it is the number one complaint of people's lives, their, their self-criticism of themselves, the frustration, and yet somehow most people never discover a way of resolving it on a permanent basis. 
So here I want to go through three things. This is a three-point message. I don't do these very often. This is a three-point message. You can write notes and you can write, right, no, point number one. <laughs> point number one. And I, in this whole principle, I, I've been doing a lot of reading of breathing and what it means to breathe. And, and what we need to understand is that breathing is a really essential uh, essential part of breathing is really essential, yeah, really. But it's not only an essential part of your life. It, it actually, when understood, you know, there are breathing coaches. What a job! I, what a job! I'm a bre- I'm a breathing coach. I am going to improve your breathing. How amazing is that? What an incredible that there are breathing coaches out there that improve your breathing. And, and uh, I, I'm going to go through a little bit later about some of the things that they will tell you about your breathing. But I, I want you to read this. I want you to see this. So point number one is un- identify the blockage that stops you from praying. Identify the blockage that stops you from praying. I've discovered so many times people go to pray. They want to pray, but they can't pray. How many of you felt that? You go, you go to pray. You want to pray. Your heart is to pray. But when you do pray, you don't feel like you're getting anywhere. Are you with me here? Now, there are ways of trying to break through or not. But I've discovered that depending on the circumstances, situation you are in, as to how much ability you've got to actually deal with those. Sometimes we will say, I will encourage people to say, listen, if you're struggling to pray, you've got to just push in and pray. You've just got to pray harder. Well, that's good advice, but I've discovered that, that you can actually only pray harder if you've got the emotional wherewithal, the, 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 the residue strength within yourself to find that strength to break through. Many times, life breaks us to the point where we don't even have the residue. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Sometimes you just feel disappointed. How do you deal with that? We're going to deal with the blockage. Now, it says here in Galatians chapter 3, verse 1, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified? This only I want to learn from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, are you not being made perfect? Are you now being made perfect by the flesh? One of the things that um, breathing coaches will say to you is this. These are some of the things that they will say of the benefits of optimum breathing. Did you know, James, there is optimum breathing are you wondering whether you are at optimum performance or not here this morning? <laughs> oh, well, here we go. Here's some of the optimum breathing things. A strong, variable heart rate. I don't even know what that means. What's a variable heart rate? I would think just a heart rate is good. I don't want it to be variable, to be honest with you. A healthy blood pressure. An improved lymphatic system. A balanced, autonomic Nervous system. Really? Okay. I'll take your word for it. An increased lung capacity. Eliminate anxiety. Aid digestion. Relieve chronic pain. Alleviate menopausal symptoms. uh, symptoms. Eliminate vertigo. Vertigo! Whoa! 
Breathe. <laughs> Relieve back pain. Improve focused and better sleep. This is a gospel of breathing, isn't it? This is, this is our, our godly uh, breathing confession. Uh, actually, going to sleep is an, is an essential part. If you, if you want to sleep, you really do need to learn how to breathe. Uh, sometimes, I, I often wake in the night, and I mean, when I mean breathe, I mean breathe in a manner that will enable you to go back to sleep. And, and uh, when I awake, and I awake a lot, I have a lot of stuff going through my, my mind. I find it difficult to switch off. And it actually, I can go to bed, and when I go to bed, I put my head on the pillow, I'm gone. Instantly, Cheryl's mid-time, midway conversations. She's telling me all these important things, you know, the sort of conversations you have at night, and she's telling me stuff. It's, you know, and I'm, <laughs> and yeah, yeah, and she just goes, oh. <laughs> not interested. I'm asleep. But the problem is that about two or three or four or two, three and four, I'm awake, <laughs> and then my brain's sort of, I've, I've had enough sleep, and then I'm awake, and then I've got to get back to sleep. So I discovered this that. Breathing helps you sleep, and it's how you breathe in, hold, and how you breathe out. you just got to keep doing that process, and eventually you'll just nod back off. Breathing, understanding how to breathe is a really, really um, healthy part of your lifestyle. But here's this thing about breathing coaches, and there is a breathing coach called Carla Melucci Adido. All right? Yeah, yeah. Who knows? This is what she said, right? Learn how to exhale and the inhale will take care of itself. Learn how to exhale and the inhale will take care of itself. And here's the thing about breathing. When you breathe in, you breathe in air, oxygen, or nitrogen, oxygen, and a little bit of carbon dioxide and argon and goodness knows what else. I've been doing my research, by the way. I'm not that clever. So you're breathing it in, but the lungs take in oxygen. It goes around the blood supply. It's, it's, uh, the residue left over is carbon dioxide. And as you breathe out, the carbon dioxide is, is um, expelled out with your out breath. If you want to understand how to remove the blockage, if you want to get prayer working in your life first, you've got to learn how to exhale if you're going to want to know how to inhale. When our prayer life struggles, we're trying to inhale, but we've got to learn how to exhale. We're trying to, I want to pray, I've got to pray, but we haven't exhaled the carbon dioxide that we get going, that receive in our life just through the process of living. Now, I need you to understand that over the years, there have been many purist movements. The Pentecostal movement in the early 20th century became a very purist movement. The, you had the, the uh, austere Puritans in the Middle Ages. You had people who, who, who had this legalistic approach to being pure. I'm not going to I'm not going to live anything, but I'm not going to be exposed to anything bad in my life. I'm just going to live a pure life. And what historically is proven to be true, it's never maintainable. Right? A purist life is never maintainable. It just doesn't, it doesn't work in the real world. And while it's good to limit the influence of the world and its negativity upon your life, trying to be this pure, religious, legalistic person doesn't work. You see, 
It's not about what happens around you. It's how you exhale that determines how you, how you inhale. We're going to learn how to get rid of the things, the negativity that affects your life. There is a carbon dioxide uh, that builds up in your, in your lungs and it builds up in your heart. And it's the carbon dioxide of, of negative thinking. It's the carbon dioxide of unbelief. It's the carbon dioxide of anger, of hatred. It's the carbon dioxide of the influence of the world around you. And there are the issues that build up and build up. And we don't allow those things to be cast off. Jesus said, cast all your burdens unto me. Yeah. We're going to learn how to let things go if we're going to let things in. We're going to understand, we're going to know how to exhale. It's the exhale that determines the quality of the inhale. We need to get rid of the carbon dioxide as it's building up in our lungs. There is a, there is a, a whole process that's going on around our lives, and we need to learn how to exhale. The Galatian church was, had lost the life of the Spirit because carbon dioxide of their unbelief, the legalism was their carbon dioxide, and they were living a life of the flesh rather than the life of the Spirit. The Spirit of God is your oxygen. Yeah. And the only way to get more oxygen in is to get carbon dioxide out. Yeah. Yeah. Are you with me here? Learn how to exhale. Point number two. It's all about the air mixture. It's all about the air mixture. Now, what I mean by that is the carbon dioxide, I say, is is like point something percent. But air is actually made 78% nitrogen um, and 21% oxygen. And... It's the right mixture for a healthy life, right? It's the right mixture. How do we get the right mixture of our prayer life? Here is the mixture of your prayer life. It's relational first, intentional second. Relational first, intentional second. Let me read this to you. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 9. In this manner, therefore pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Jesus starts the prayer relational and finishes it intentional. We spend our lives praying Intentionally, without relationship, you're, build, you're, you're creating an air mixture that is out of balance. When the air mixture is out of balance, we begin to suffocate. All right, there is a, there is a process that's going on inside of our lives. And we need to know that if you need enough oxygen the faith flowing in your heart and in your life, begin to pray relationally first. I've discovered this. If you're going through a hard time, nearly every person goes through a hard time praying over my issues. Well, stop praying over your issues. For goodness sake, let them go. Let them go. Stop being intentional with your prayer life and start being relational. If you can't pray to the Father, I've discovered this. It is actually one of the hardest disciplines of your life when going through immense pressure is just worshipping Jesus. 
Because you're worshipping, but in the back of your mind, you're, you're thinking to yourself, if I worship him long enough, how long do I need to worship him before I can get to the subject I really want to talk to him about? You know, how long is he till, till he, he... And, oh, because of, of that time, it's like, oh, it was about five minutes. Okay, now, I want to deal with... These are the people I, I want you to deal with, Jesus, right there. These are the finances I need fixed. These are all the circumstances. We start suddenly getting intentional. And our heart, even if we are praying relational prayers, we don't really mean them because we're, we're just doing it to be polite. Like when you meet people and they, you meet them and you say, hi, how are you? It's a polite greeting. We really don't want to know, by the way. Uh, one of the things that people talk about honesty, this, this, is a, this is a by note here. Honesty is one of those things people talk about when they say, when you ask, and people say, they ask, how, how are you? And, and, but they don't want to know that's not, that you, you should tell them how I, I want you to know. When someone asks, how are you? Do not tell them. <laughs> it's not the time. They're just saying, hi, how are you? It's a general, I'm fine, thank you. Nice to meet you. Do not get into them. I have such a terrible day until after you've had a cup of coffee. (laughs) Don't unload on people the moment you you meet them. You know why? Because people just, all we're doing is spending, is thinking about ourselves. The intention, if all you can do is speak about the things of yourself, you're working from the flesh, not the spirit. See, the Holy Spirit wants you to understand that it's a relationship with the, with the Father. It is a relationship with Him that unlocks the doors of heaven. Yeah. All right? It's a relationship with Him. It isn't a list of, of demands in a flesh-inspired way that gets God working for you. It is a relationship with the Holy Spirit. It's relational first, intentional second. Creates the correct mixture of air in your lungs that enables you to breathe in a healthy way. Your prayer life needs you to learn how to be relational. Learn how to exhale. See, See, actually, it's very difficult to even be relational until you've exhaled. You've got to exhale first. You've got to get rid of that carbon dioxide, that ungodly belief, that heart, that burden. You've just got to learn how to let it go. Sometimes I just go, let it go. Just let it go. How many times do you sigh when you're struggling? It's It's an instinct of the of the body to go, let the burden go. Jesus, I give it to you now. Jesus, this is carbon dioxide. This isn't good for me. The last point I want to say to you this morning, point number three is improve your lung capacity. Improve your lung capacity. Now, Have you ever heard someone pray powerful words and you're inspired to do the same, but you find that while doing so, that you're not able to maintain such a momentous prayer life? Mm -hmm. You've been in the company of great prayers and the words they use are so inspiring, you think, I'm going to pray about that. (laughs) 
I, I, can, I, can do, I can do that. Oh, Jesus, I declare this city is going to turn and bow the knee. I declare, and, and suddenly you're, you're doing it for about five minutes and you're, and, and, and you're beginning to run out and, and the, the conviction of your heart isn't quite the same as the person who has taken cities. You understand that it's like, oh, it, it looked easy, but I, I'm just not, I don't know. I, what's the difference? I'm trying to say the same words, but I'm not getting there. You know what that is? Lung capacity. It's how much oxygen you can hold in you. It's how much prayer you can get on the inside of you. I, I, one of my great convictions in my, in, in my heart for this, for this nation is the church will arise in the fullness of its capacity and demonstrate in without hindrance the fullness of the love of the gospel for the sake of the nation. For the sake of the nation... This week, this nation has gone from at a bit of turmoil to a complete storm. And Christians have become drawn in the political battle this way or that way. I think we've got to rise above the politics and bring the love of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Haven't we? We're all, we're all like, Whoa, I think this and I think that. But you know what? I think we should stick to what we know. (laughs) And what we know is that this is the church. And the church is not driven by politics. Daniel was not bothered by the godlessness of his king. He was above it. He was a ruler of of what he lived in. Joseph was a ruler of what he lived in. And what he lived in was on the inside, even if he lived in a secular outside. The church needs to stop worrying about the secular nature of our nation and start believing for the power of a gospel that can resolve the crisis that secularism creates. Because the world is in a pursuit of madness. It's on a pursuit of madness. And the madness is a life without Christ. They're creating their own crisis. And the church, let me tell you this, the church has all of the answers through the demonstration of his grace and his love and his hope. But what happens is this. Oh, this is too political, right? What happens is this, is that Christians get into politics um, and some of them will get into religiosity. We, we were just talking about this morning. They get into the religiosity of, of this is how you should live your life. You can't, you can't apply the kingdom of God to a secular world that doesn't believe in the kingdom of God. Doesn't and when you, when you do that, right? When you do that, what you do is you take the blessing that Christ has given us, you make it a law, and then you turn it into a curse. You turn the blessing that Christ has given us and you turn it into a curse by making a world live by our standards and it was never meant to be a curse, it was meant to be a blessing to set them free. 
You cannot apply what Christ has given us in a legal matter to a secular world. What you can apply is the saving, powerful grace, the love, the acceptance of Jesus Christ that liberates, that sets free, that empowers. And that means having people that know how to breathe. It means people who have breathed in so much of the life of God that when they're faced with sickness, they're able to breathe out. You see, if you haven't learned how to hold your breath and and how to hold and hold the capacity of oxygen in your lungs, then how can you how can you set someone free? We know that God heals. But this is this is what burdens me. I've seen God do such extraordinary miracles. I've seen women uh, saw a woman have um, conceive a child. No, I didn't see that. I didn't. I, I didn't. Cons- I didn't see that. I cut that off in Jesus' name. I pray for a woman who didn't have a womb. Who didn't have a womb. I'm getting out of this hole very quickly. I got to pray for a woman who didn't have a womb, and she had a baby nine months later with a husband. <laughs> I've seen open wounds, literal knife wounds disappear in front of my eyes and turn into pink scars. I've seen people with deformity disappear in front of my eyes. I've seen those miracles, but I need you to understand I don't see them enough. They are, they are like moments in time when the power of the gospel is so sufficient. Jesus said this, listen, let me finish with this scripture in 1 John 5, 14. Now, this is the confidence we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he will hear us. And if we know what he, that he hears us, whatever we ask. Everyone say whatever. whatever. How much is whatever? Everything. Whatever you ask. Whatever you ask. We know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. You see, what makes improves your lung capacity? Your spiritual lung capacity is your bigger prayer. We've got to learn how to pray bigger prayers. Bigger prayers are deeper breaths. Bigger prayers are deeper breaths. You know what is a small prayer? Jesus, please help me get out of this problem. That's a, that's a small prayer. That's a shallow breath. Jesus, please, please rescue me here from this situation now. That's a shallow breath, by the way. See, if all you're doing is focusing on the problem, you're never building the answer. This is what we pray. God, I thank you that you are giving me the finances to build my life. I thank you you're empowering me to buy my own home. I thank you, Jesus, that you're giving me influence that that I can uh, increase in my work environment. I thank you, Jesus, you're enabling me to be able to lay hands on the sick. I thank you, Jesus, that the sick will no longer be held captive. But as I declare and prophesy over them, they will be healed and set free. I thank you, Jesus. And I see in this world, see, it's a bigger prayer life. If you want bigger, deeper lungs, you've got to learn how to consistently 
constantly pray bigger prayers. You can't get bigger muscles without pulling heavier weights. You have to take them on and then daily just work on them. Take them to the gym. We've got to learn how to exhale. We've got to learn how to make sure we get our air mixture right. And we've got to learn how to breathe deeper and take them um, stronger and declare bigger prayers. Speaking it out into the realm of the Spirit. See, there are miracles that God wants you to see. The failure of the church in the nation is that it has excused the gospel instead of demonstrated it. We are here to demonstrate a hope and a love and a restoration and a fullness and a joy without a, without a burden that destroys people's, the nation's heart, but lifts them out of the miry clay. There never will a man be lifted out of the miry clay if you smack them down deeper into it for the life they're living. Never will they be saved if you smack them into the soil. Will they be able to pull them out? We are here to lift people out because of the prayer that is carried on the inside of us. We breathe deeper prayers. Come on, let me hear a shout of praise in this place this morning. We are declaring it now. I thank you, Jesus. Yes, Lord. But we've been called to pray. Let's break the hindrance. Three simple things. Exhale. You start your day, you're not feeling like Jesus is with you, exhale. If he's not you're feeling his presence, exhale. Got to get rid of the carbon dioxide to get in the oxygen. Get the mixture right. Relational. 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 Intentional. Intentional. When you're very good friends with a wealthy man, you have absolute confidence to ask him for everything he has. When you know him as an acquaintance, you're really not going to get very far. We don't just have a wealthy man as a friend. We have the wealthiest father who wants to bless us with everything that he has to give to us. Let's breathe deeper. Speak bigger. The church is rising up in this nation. God knew what would happen on Thursday. He is not shocked. He is not shocked. He is at peace. And so should we be. We're going to prophesy the church is going to rise up and demonstrate liberty, grace, forgiveness, hope, restoration. Come on, let's stand up and pray. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or you'd like to find out contact information or service times, then don't forget to visit our website, www.thejunctionchurch.com. God bless.